With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Wednesday, the 28th of April, and we are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix if you're outside the US. If you're from the UK and want to use your Now TV outside the UK, it allows you to do that as well. Also keeps your data safe online, which is the most important thing. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, Champions League semi-final last night. Real Madrid won, Chelsea won. Chelsea went one up after a good work from Christian Pulisic, beat the goalkeeper and rattled home from about nine yards out. Real would equalise through Karim Benzema. Really good control and, and finish on the turn. Timo Werner should have had Chelsea 2-0 up before that. Uh, missed a, a big chance. But Benzema had hit the post for Real. It was a fairly even game overall. I did think that Real kind of handed handed the game to Chelsea in some ways. By playing a back three, which, yes, they've done that multiple times this season. But by going 3-5-2, you're taking out one of the attacking players. And for me, for me, that gives the impetus to Chelsea. That puts them in the driving seat because they've been playing 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 all along. And I really felt like Zidane just sort of handed momentum to Chelsea. I don't think Modric, Casemiro and Cruz played anywhere close to their best level last night. I thought Angolo Kante was superb, best midfielder on the pitch. But the decision to play the back three was just weird and it grated at me the whole time watching the game. My assumption is that Zidane doesn't trust Marcelo as a left back. So if he was going to be in the team, he had to play 
as a wing back. The problem with that is that Danny Carvial on the right hand side is not a particularly good attacking player. He's a very good defensive right back, but he's never been a good attacking right back. So it it kind of skewed the balance of the team. Gave Real very little output down their right hand side. I thought Benzema needed more support. He was excellent. And he led the line brilliantly. And he did show what a good player, what a great player he is. But just that decision to me was was one I think Zidane will regret looking back on that game. The decision to start either Nacho or Marcelo. Because he could have played a, a flat four with Nacho at right back. Or sorry, at left back. You wouldn't have got much attacking from either full back. But you could have got Asensio or Rodrigo into the team, or even Eden Hazard. Hazard came off the bench, as did Asensio. Again, if you're going to play with wing-backs, Odriozola would be a better fit than Carvial as a right wing-back. So I'd look for some tactical changes from Zidane in the second leg. I think he will go back to more of the 4-3-3. A little bit, bit more of what makes Real Real and give that midfield a little bit more room to breathe and a little bit more room to play. I thought Tuchel managed the game very well. I think he'll be very, very happy. Limited Real to just one shot on target. The one that hit the post doesn't count as shot on target for bizarre reasons, but it is what it is. Chelsea had the, had the better chances. They had more shots. They had more of the ball for much of the game. It, it skewed towards Real in the last 10 to 15 minutes. But all things considered, I think a draw was very much a fair result. It does set up the second leg nicely. It really does set the second leg up nicely. Chelsea will have that away goal advantage. Whether that makes a difference for them, we'll have to wait and see. But really does set the second leg up. And in truth, if if Tuchel can get Chelsea to a Champions League final and an FA Cup final and top four in the league, given where they were and what they were when he took over, I think they'll be rolling out a new long-term contract. I think he signed an 18-month deal when he took over. I would imagine that one of the priorities for Chelsea this summer will be a longer-term deal because that is one hell of a six-month run if he manages that. Regardless of whether they win the finals, now, they'll be favourite in the FA Cup final, I think, against Leicester. Even though Leicester are above them in the league, I think Chelsea will be the favourites. I think they'll be the underdog no matter who they face in the final, be it City or PSG. I think you'd have to make them the underdogs in that, wouldn't you? But they'll still go in as a strong team. they still go in as a team full of quality. I thought Pulisic was really good last night. I thought he looked really lively, really busy creative, inventive. I, The only criticism I'd have of Tuchel is I really would have liked to have seen it with Havertz in between Pulisic and Werner. Him as that false nine, hybrid ten, I think that would have really caused Real problems. But I can understand why he went with the extra man in midfield, trying to match Real man for man, trying to get the extra work rate in there. But all things considered... A great night for Chelsea. They'll come home delighted and they'll go again next week. Uh, Real, I think, will be disappointed. But again, I think Zidane will reflect on the game and, and figure out where it went wrong. And I'd expect to see some changes next week. But 
I want to focus in on Benzema just for a couple of minutes because when we talk about the great strikers of the last decade or so, you know, we talk about Lewandowski, we talk about Aguero, we talk about Suarez, Cavani, Zlatan, Higuain, Falcao to a lesser extent. And I, I feel like Benzema often gets overlooked in this discussion and he really, really shouldn't. He should be at the forefront of these discussions. Now, his goals per game across his career maybe doesn't impress some. 248 in 510 league matches, 358 in 721 in all competitions. So one and two, basically. But factor in what he's been part of. Like, at Leon, he was the guy. He was the best player. Him and Ben Arfa were the two new superstars there. He was the better of the two. He got the big money move to Real. When he arrived at Real, they also had Higuain. And it was a bit of a battle between the two for that number nine spot. And at times it looked like it would be Benzema. At times it would look it looked like it would be Higuain. Allegedly, allegedly, in January 2011, so about 18 months after Benzema had arrived, Real had decided that it was going to be Higuain. And Benzema was available for sale. And had it not been for Higuain suffering a back injury, Benzema would have been sold. In which case, Real would have been the big losers in this. Because while his goal tallies up until the last three years weren't necessarily brilliant, bar that 15-16 season where he scored 24-27 and in the league, his all-round game, his work rate, his hold-up play, his link play, his selflessness, all of that was absolutely crucial to enabling Cristiano Ronaldo to do what he did. And if you look at Ronaldo's career, attackers that play with him always have a dip in their goal numbers when they play with him and then always go back up when they play without him after he moves on. You can look at Rooney, Tevez, Berbatov at United. Uh, Higuain and Benzema at Real, Dybala at Juventus. It, it just it is the way it is because the team gets, you know, it gets skewed to favour him because he's the superstar. He's the one that you're paying the mega bucks to. He's the guy that you're expecting to carry your team. Others have to sacrifice bits of their game. Gareth Bale had to do it as well when he was in the team at Real. But nobody did it more than Benzema. But when you look at the last three seasons, just in La Liga, 21 goals in each season. In all competitions, 30 in 53 in 18-19, 27 48 last year, 28 and 40 this year. That was off the back of 12 and 47, 19 and 48. He did have that brilliant 15-16 season. But before that, it was low 20s. Up until these last three seasons, he'd only hit 20 goals in La Liga twice. He'd only hit 30 in all competitions once. But at the age of 31, he has this resurgence without 
the burden of Ronaldo. And he's scoring goals for fun while his all-round game is still brilliant. And now he's 33. He's got 28 and 40 this season. He's carrying this Real team. Could potentially win another Champions League and La Liga title. And I know it's not good to judge players on what on you know on team success, but you have to factor this guy has won seven league titles, four at Leon, two of which he was the best player in the team, three at Real, last year best player in the team, four Champions Leagues with Real. Like that is incredible. Absolutely incredible. If it hadn't been for I suppose his ego, he would have been part of the French World Cup squad. It's a bizarre decision to leave him out of the French World Cup squad. But, you know, he's he's a complex player. He's a complex man. And it's just, it's unfortunate. It's just unfortunate that he, he fell foul of Deschamps and... and the French Football Association, because or French Football Federation, I should say, because he should have been in those in those in that squad. He should have been in the 2016 squad as well. And if in 2016 he's in the squad, they most likely win that tournament because the one thing they lacked was a goal scorer, a proper number nine, and he would have given them that rather than Ali Giroud. And as he said himself, you don't confuse Formula One for go karting, which. You know, I like Ali Giroud, but it's it's a great quote. It absolutely is a great quote. But, you know, he absolutely belongs at the top table when we talk about the great strikers of the last decade. And I'm not going to get into ranking them. I'll leave that to someone else. But, you know, he is, he is right up with the very best of Lewandowski, Suarez, Aguero, Cavani, Zlatan, Higuain, Falcao. He's right up there with them. And the shame for for the game is that I don't think we've all taken enough time to appreciate how fortunate we've been to have had these eight great number nines for such a long time. And Benzema's 33. He'll be 34 in December. He's in, like, year 15 of his career. Lewandowski turns 33 this year. Aguero's 33 this year. Suarez just turned uh, 34. Cavani's 34. Zlatan will be 40 this year. He's already signed on for next year, and the assumption would be that all the rest will play on next year as well. But, I mean, Higuain will be 34 this year. Falco is 35. These guys aren't going to be around for a whole lot longer. I don't think there'll be many like Slatan who'll play until they're 40. He's signed up for next season. Um, Falco's with Galatasaray, so he's already stepped out of a of the major leagues. Admittedly, most of his success came at Porto, but he was great for Atletico Madrid. He was great for Monaco. He's he's another one that's massively underrated because of his time at Manchester United and Chelsea. But he was coming off an ACL tear when he went to United. And then Chelsea just didn't know what to do with him, really. 
but he was incredible. Higuain is with into Miami. It's not going very well. And his career sort of fell off a little bit of a cliff as well. The loans at Milan and Chelsea didn't work. Again, another one that when Ronaldo arrived at Real, it all sort of fell apart for him. But, I mean, you look at his run from 08-09 with Real all the way through to 17-18 with Juve. There's two down seasons in there. 10-11, that's when he hurt his back. He he was playing brilliantly. He had 10-17 and 17 in the league and he hurt his back. And Benzema got back in the team. And then 12-13, he'd actually lost his place. He was coming off the bench a lot. He scored um, 18 and 44 in all competitions. Moves to Napoli, just explodes, blows up Serie A. Goes to Juve. Juve seemed to buy him just to put Napoli, you know, one step down. It, it hasn't been a great few years for him, but he was still incredible for a long time. Zlatan is Zlatan. I mean, this guy made his debut in the 90s. He made his debut in the 90s. Just think about how ludicrous that is, that he's still playing at the highest level. He made his debut in the 90s. He went to LA Galaxy, seemingly to begin his retirement, got bored of destroying the MLS, came back and just started racking up goals in Serie A again. His career has been ridiculous. He'll likely hit 20 goals this season, which will mean that in every season that he's played a full season, he will have scored at least 20 goals in all competitions since 07 08. You know, he was, he was great with Ajax, he was incredible with Juventus. Then Calcio Poli, he goes to Inter, he's great there. Goes to Barca. It doesn't work brilliantly. The partnership with him and Messi wasn't right. I think Eagles, of course, played a part. Gets sent on loan to Milan. Then ends up moving there permanently. Wins them the title. Heads to PSG. Scores goals for fun. 50-51 and in the 15-16 season. He was 35 that season. 34, sorry, he was 34, turned 35 after that season. But think of that, 34, he scores 50 goals in a year, in a season. Goes to United, 28 goals in all competitions, helps them win a, a couple of cups. Tears his ACL. Uh, then he goes on to Galaxy, 22 and 27, 31 and 31. Joins Milan, only plays half the season. 11 goals in 20 games. This season, he's got 15 and 17 in the league. He's only played literally half the year. But he's got 17 and 25 in all competitions. He should get to to, to 20 all going well. Um, he's made his international comeback as well. It's, it's mad what he's doing. Cavani's another one. Again, has often been overlooked because he spent quite a bit of time with PSG. But he was really good for Palermo. He was incredible for Napoli. That front three with him, Levetsi, and, and Hamzik was just insane. Really was the beginning of Napoli returning to the upper echelons of, of European football. Went to PSG and got stuck playing right wing, remember, for a couple of years because they had Zlatan. Was still scoring between 25 and 30. Moves inside 
And in his first season, playing as a number nine for them, he gets 49 and 50. That's coming off the back of Zlatan getting 50 and 51. So PSG didn't lose much. Gets 40 in 48 the next year, 23 and 33. The 19-20 season, he's just injured most of the year. Only scores seven. It's the first time he hasn't hit double figures since 07-08. This season, he's got 10 goals for United. He's barely played. He's barely played. Like, he's just a machine to score goals. He will miss a lot of chances. That's just the profile of the player. He he gets in great positions. He gets a lot of chances, but he will miss chances. He's only played 1,600 minutes for United this season. He's got 10 goals. So he's averaging better than a goal every two games at the point in his career where he is, where he's 34. Suarez is ridiculous. I mean, what can you say about Suarez? His He plays for Groningen, who are mid-table in the Eredivisie. Gets 15 and 37. That was after 12 and 34 for Nacional in Uruguay the season before. And then he just goes on this run from 07-08, 22 and 44, 28 and 43, 49 and 48. Now, remember, he's playing as a wide forward. He's not playing as a nine at this point. He's playing as a wide forward. Um, he has 12 in 24 in half a season with Ajax, moves to Liverpool, four in 13 in his first couple of months, but was robbed of one of the great goals by Dirk Kout. The following season, um, he gets 19 in 39, helps Liverpool win a cup, and then he just takes off 30 in 44, 31 in 37, and 13 14. To me, still the best season any player has ever had in the Premier League. That year, he was just ridiculous in the Premier League. Moves to Barca, has the ban for biting Chiellini at the World Cup, uh, gets 25 in 43. And in the next season, he is 59 in, 50, in 53. 59 goals in 53 games. Then he's 37 and 51, 31 and 51, 25 and 49, 21 and 36. He's declining because he's aging, obviously. This season, he moves to Atletico Madrid. He's got 19 and 27 in the league, 19 and 33 in all competitions. Didn't score in the Champions League. But again, he's leading them potentially to the title. Now, he's out at the moment, and that's a big part of why they're struggling. But he's doing this at that age. Aguero, there's no point in really going through it all. It, the numbers are the numbers. Um, for City, 257 goals in 385 games. 181 Premier League goals in 272 games. He has just been insanely consistent for Manchester City. Only injuries have ever stopped him really hitting 20 a season in the league. But he had a five-year run of 20-plus goals in the Premier League. In his first Premier League season, he scored 23. An incredible striker, an incredible player, and of course, owner of arguably the biggest moment, the most memorable moment in Premier League history, that goal against QPR to win them the title. Lewandowski, like Benzema, is just tearing it up. His goal return for uh, Bayern Munich is, is disgusting. 288 in 326 games 
you look at his last bunch of seasons, he's got 25 and 49, 42 and 51, 43 and 47, 41 and 48, 40 and 47, 55 and 47 last year, robbed of the Ballon d'Or because they decided not to award it. 43 in 37 this year. Like that's six straight years of at least 41 goals. It's absolutely ridiculous. And that was off the back of three great seasons with Dortmund. He's only had one season in the last 10 where he hasn't scored at least 22 league goals. His first season at Bayern, he scored 17. He has been sensational this season in the Bundesliga. He has 36 goals in 26 games. Like, that's messy level numbers. And he's doing it at the age of 32. We should really embrace these players, the eight that I've mentioned, while we have them. And I haven't mentioned Messi and I haven't mentioned Ronaldo for two reasons. Number one, we, we know what they've done. We know what they do. They're also not strikers. They've played as strikers. Ronaldo maybe now is more a striker than anything else. But for the majority of the career, they've played as inside forwards or just off a strike or whatever. These eight guys, Benzema, Lewandowski, Aguero, Suarez, Cavani, Zlatan, Higuain, and Falco. These are number nines. These are great, great number nines that we have had for the last 15 years. And I genuinely feel have been underappreciated. Because of the goal-scoring exploits of Cristiano and of Messi, we've sort of overlooked these other guys at times. And soon they'll be gone. And when you look at, you know, you look at the current crop below them and you're looking at guys in that sort of 25 to 30 range, there's not a whole bunch of great ones. There's Harry Kane, obviously. There's Lukaku. And after that, I'm struggling. After that, I'm really struggling to name a great number nine. I'm not talking about a Mo Salah type. But a great number nine. There's really only Kane and Lukaku. Icardi never became the player he should have been. Chiro Immobile, I will happily include in that because I think he's fantastic. Bellotti looked like he was going to reach that level, didn't quite manage it. Icardi should have got there, but for multiple reasons didn't. Could still. I mean, what age is Icardi? He must be 27 now. I think if he got a good move away from... He's 28. I think he'd need a move away from PSG because he was trending that way. He had some incredible seasons with Inter Milan, 27 and 48, 26 and 41, 29 and 36. He was trending the right way. Then he had some injury issues and then he fell out with, with well, he, he fell out with everybody and then Conte didn't really want him at the club. Um, he had a good first season with PSG, hasn't been as big a factor this year. Still has 12 goals in 22 games, but he has had injuries 
and he's sort of fallen behind Moise Keane in the depth chart. Um, I wonder, is Pochettino friends at Maxi Lopez? Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to lose these eight great strikers over the next few years. They'll all retire. And there isn't really anybody to take on that mantle outside of Kane, Lukaku and, and Chiro Immobile. Like another striker worth mentioning, not always been a number nine, and I don't think he's on the level of the guys I was talking about, but like Aubameyang, he's 31. Obviously a great player, but I don't think he belongs on the same level as the eight I mentioned. Now, look, his his goal numbers are phenomenal. He had one great season with, sorry, two great seasons with St. was exceptional for Dortmund. Maybe he does, actually. To be fair to him, maybe he does. Because this season aside, he was great the previous six seasons. First season at Dortmund was iffy because Klopp kept, kept using him as a right winger. Put Aubameyang in. But Aubameyang is 31. He'll be 32 this summer. So again, doesn't have a whole lot of runway in front of him. So that's nine. It's nine really good, really good to great strikers. That we'll lose. And there's only three in that kind of 25 to 30 age bracket. What age is Immobile? He must be pushing 30. He is 31. So he's he's just gone 31. He's a year younger than Aubameyang or nine months younger than Aubameyang. Um, and even his goal numbers, they don't stand up. They're, it's not like he's been consistently brilliant for a long time. A great season with Pescara and Serie B. He'd one great season with Torino, then he bounced around a little bit. Um, he's been phenomenal for for Lazio for the last five years, but he's not he's not really Harry Kane level. He had two incredible seasons, seventeen, eighteen, and last season. Kane does it year on year. Barred this time at United, Lukaku tends to do it year on year. He's and Kane and Lukaku are younger as well. But it is concerning that we don't have many great number nines. And even to go a couple of years younger, like say 23, 24 and above, there's not a whole lot of great ones. There's a, a really good crop coming through, obviously Haaland, Vlahovic. But like some of them, like Luka Jovic, make a bad move like Real Madrid and it kind of hampers their career. You would be concerned about the lack of great strikers coming through. When you see what we've just had, you would be a little bit concerned. Right, before we go to break, there is a game, obviously, tonight. It is Paris Saint-Germain versus Manchester City in the other semi-final of the Champions League. Uh, PSG will be at home in the first leg. They came through a group with RB Leipzig, Manchester United, and Istanbul Besiktas. They lost to United in their opening game. That was at home. They beat Besiktas away, lost at Leipzig, but then ran off three straight wins over Leipzig, United, and Besiktas to get through. Then they wiped the floor with Barcelona in the first leg, a 4-1 win at the New Camp, or the Camp Nou, whichever you prefer. Uh, a one-all draw at home saw them through. They knocked out reigning champions, Bayern Munich in the last round 
Um, they changed manager obviously in January. Sorry, yeah, in at, around the new year, uh, firing Thomas Tuchel and bringing in former player Maurizio Pochettino. Um, I don't know that it's had the desired effect. They lost four league games under Tuchel. Uh, they've lost four under Pochettino. So I don't know that it's had the desired effect. Uh, they have progressed, obviously, in the Coupe de France. They won the, I suppose, the, the Super Cup or the League Cup or whatever that Trophy de Champions is. Um, they've done well in the Champions League to progress, obviously knocking out Barca, but Barca weren't as good then as they are now, especially that first leg, which was in mid-February. Barca hadn't really figured it out. I think if they played now, it could be a little bit different. But the win over... Um, the win over Bayern was massive. Just can't argue. Now, Bayern were missing Lewandowski, and I do think if he'd played, it would have made a massive difference. When you look at their squad, it's a bizarre squad, considering the amount of money that they've spent. Kaylor Navas, obviously a very good goalkeeper, won Champions Leagues at Real, but he's not an elite-level goalkeeper. I think Kimbembe and Marquinhos are great centre-backs. Marquinhos, for me, is one of the three or four best in the world. Kimbembe's top ten. But none of those other other defenders would really... Like, they don't have a good full-back at the club. Dagba's okay. Backer's okay. Bernat is okay. Kurzawa is okay. But, like, Tilo Carrere plays right-back for them at times. He's a centre-back. He's a decent centre-back. He just hasn't developed properly there because he hasn't been given the games at centre-back. Abdu Diallo I really like, but he's not a left-back. He's a centre-back. But because of Kimbembe, he doesn't get minutes at centre-back. Florenzi, his knee finished him. He's just never been the same since. Um, So, you know, how do you spend that much money and not have two really good full-backs? In midfield, they've got Verratti, who's great. Paredes is good, not great. Di Maria, incredible, but aging. Rafinha was a weird signing. Pereira is an odd one. They've played him centre-back a couple of times. I mean, he's a good defensive midfielder, not a great one. Sarabia is just one of those frustratingly talented players who's rarely consistent. Ander Herrera took a lot of money to sit on the bench. Good player, not nothing special. Draxler is one of the most disappointing players of the last 10 years. Idrissa Gay, he's good, he's not great. And then they've got some young players like young Xavi uh, Simmons, who's allegedly going to be one of, the, one of the best midfield players in the world, according to those that watch. But, I mean, we're yet to see much of anything at senior level. And then up front, I mean, they've got Mbappe, Icardi, Neymar, and then Moise Keenan on loan. So... The, the attack is great. They've got four really good, two great players, Mbappe and Neymar. One who should have been great at Cardi. One who could still be great, Moise Keane, though he's on loan from Everton. Uh, Everton are a bit of a feeder club now for PSG, aren't they, with Keane and, and Idrissa Gay. Um, it's just, it's a weird squad. To me, I don't know how you'd spend all that money and end up with that group of players. I'd be really disappointed if I gave someone that much money and that's what they presented to me. Marquinhos, Kimbembe, Verratti, Mbappe, Icardi, Neymar, I'm fine with. 
but it's five players short of what you'd want for that kind of money. It really is. And the best part of it, of it all is they've just let a load of super talented young players from their academy just walk away on the cheap, baffling, baffling management of a club. Uh, they will face Manchester City, obviously. They're currently second in Ligue 1, which isn't where they'll want to be. They're a point behind Lille. They both have similarly difficult run-ins. PSGs might be a touch harder. And this weekend could be a big opportunity for Lille to open a bit of a gap because I think PSG's focus will be on these two games against City. So they may rest players the weekend. So could see them drop points the weekend and maybe Lille can open up a gap and hopefully go on to win. Not Nothing against PSG. I'd just like to see somebody else win a league title. Um, City obviously are running away with the Premier League. Uh, they're... 10 points clear of United. Same amount of games played. They're in the um, semi-final here. They got knocked out of the semi-final of the FA Cup by Chelsea. And they won the League Cup beating Tottenham. So all in all, you know, a typically successful season. Unfortunately for Pep, he is going to be entirely judged by many people on what happens in these two games and a potential final. Some will not accept that he has been a success at City, uh, despite the league titles, despite all the cups, because he was brought there to win the Champions League. There's no doubt about that. The, the whole purpose of the club is to win the Champions League. That's what they're geared for. They've looked pretty much untouchable this year, to be truthful to them. Uh, came through a group of Porto, Olympiacos and Marseille. Won five, drew away to Porto. Um Beat Gladbach very comfortably over two legs. Got very fortunate in in truth against Dortmund. Very, very fortunate against Dortmund. The first leg should have ended 2-2. And there was some because Bellingham had that goal disallowed. And there was some questionable refereeing decisions in that second leg as well. Um But true they are and on to PSG. And I don't think City will fear them. I think City will be quite confident. The main things they have to focus on are just having De Bruyne and Gundogan fit and in form. They could really do with Raheem Sterling finding some form. That would be massive for them. But just don't do anything stupid defensively. Don't do anything like John Stones has done in his last couple of appearances. And you should be all right. I think this game tonight is going to be a cracker, if I'm honest. Um... I'm going to say, why did PSG line up at the weekend? I think I think I fancy City to win the game, if I'm honest. Uh, at the weekend, PSG went with 4-3-3, Navas, Florenzi, Carrer, Kimbembe, Kurzawa, Herrera, Paredes, Verratti, Sarabia, Mbappe, Neymar. They had Icardi, De Maria, Pereira, Rico, Keane, Draxler, Backer, Gaye, and Dagba on the bench. I don't think that will be the 11 that starts. I think we'll see at least three changes to that team. Both fullbacks, I guess, will be changed. Probably a change in midfield. He might start Sarabia. Either way, I think City... Do you know what? I'll go safe. I'll go a draw. I'll go 2-2, two, two, 
that gives City an advantage going into the second leg. And I'll leave it at that. We'll be back after these these breaks. Right, welcome back. Um, we'll wrap, rattle through the news and see what's going on. Uh, the Cronkies have issued a statement denying they will sell the club after public interest from Spotify co-founder Daniel Eck. Uh, the Cronkies obviously have come under the spotlight once again following the European Super League, but they have said they remain 100% committed to Arsenal and are not selling any stake in the club. We've not received any offer and will not entertain any offer. It would mean more to say you were 100% committed if you actually showed it rather than just saying it. Um, Arsenal fans have not been happy with the Cronkies for years. That is largely down to the Cronkies' own disinterest in what they're doing. I'm sure they're committed to the money that they make, but they could do with doing more with the club. Like, the structure of the club is a mess. They've got a director of football or technical director who's way out of his depth. They've got a manager who, again, way out of his depth. They've got a bad squad with loads of players who are not very good earning a lot of money. And then they've got all these young players that they can develop, but their paths have been blocked by these older players. There's a lot of talent there. And I went through this recently. I'll go through it again in a, in a couple of weeks. The Arsenal squad has real potential. It doesn't need a whole lot of surgery. Four or five good signings, not all necessarily starters, would really impact them and put them in a good position. But the Cronkies don't put forward the money. They don't spend money. That's just as simple as that. So you can say you're 100% committed, but you won't put your hand in your pocket. Um, the squad s- squads for the Euros have been expanded, so teams can take 26 players instead of the usual 23. Uh, this gives Garrett Southgate an out, so he can now bring Grealish, Trent, and Sancho in the three extra spots. Because I would bet quite a bit that he was planning to leave all three of them out. I would bet quite a bit he was originally going to leave all three of them out. So I would guess they get the three extra spots. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann has been confirmed as Bayern Munich manager for next season. And now the magic roundabout has begun in Germany. So who will replace Nagelsmann? The two favourites seem to be Jesse Marsh who has been mentioned a lot, obviously, at, at RB Salzburg, and Oliver Glashner, who's at Wolfsburg. I would imagine... I would imagine it'll be Marsh. It hasn't been confirmed as we're talking, I don't think. Guy, is there anything yet on that? Um, I'm not sure. No, I don't think there is. I don't think there's anything come out yet on it. But um, some people... Some people seem to think that Glashner is, is the choice... Marsh just probably just a little bit of an easier uh, an easier pick. We know that Eintracht Frankfurt need, need a new manager. If Glashner was to take the job, then Wolfsburg would need a new manager. I think he'd be mad to leave, having just gotten them into Champions League. I think he should stay another year at Wolfsburg and, and carry on the great work he's done there. If it is Jesse Marsh, then the uh, Salzburg job opens up, and that'll be an interesting one to see. I, I've already seen Gerhard Struber getting mentioned, one of the great frauds of management, and yet people want to put him forward for these jobs. Um, yeah, lots of fun to be had in the Bundesliga as they play ma- a managerial roundabout. Liverpool announced pre-tax losses of £46 million for the financial year ending 
May 31st, 2020, the club saw their wage bill grow by 4.8%, which includes the first months of the COVID pandemic. Uh, their um, income obviously dropped. And look, they knew this was coming. Liverpool have known that these accounts would look like this for a long time. Um, people are up in arms and saying, oh, well, they've done this now so they can say they, why they're not buying any players. It's amazing how quickly everybody becomes a financial expert on Twitter uh, once accounts come out. But let's just be clear on a couple of things. The wage bill went up because the wage bill for that calendar year, June 1st, 2019, to May 31st, 2020, included all the bonuses for winning the Champions League, the European Super Cup, and the World Club Cup. It included all of those bonuses. And some of those bonuses, particularly for the Champions League, were massive. So that's that. Um, they've known this was coming. There's a reason they brought in Redbird as an investor. So the losses are covered. There's no need to panic. Liverpool should still have quite a busy busy summer, Champions League or no Champions League. Uh, the head of the PFA, Gordon Taylor, has denied that the organisation has been asleep on the problem of dementia in football. Well, I'm sorry, but you have. You just have been asleep on it. Um, you may feel that the criticism is unfair, but you still did nothing for years until you were forced to. It takes more than the PFA to be involved in this. It needs government as well. What a cop-out. What an enormous cop-out from Gordon Taylor, who's been dreadful at his job for years, by the way. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, West Ham have successfully appealed the red card shown to Fabian Balbuena, rightly so. What a ridiculous red card. What an absolutely ridiculous red card. Shameful stuff from a bad referee. Uh, we also have news that the Premier League have, have applied to the British government to do away with having an auction for the next round of TV rights and instead... Go ahead and just renew the current deals with Sky, BT, and Amazon. It's very convenient that this has happened after all three of those came out in such, you know, strong opposition to the Super League, isn't it? It's a little bit convenient that after that they all came out. Now, if they're renewing the deals, you'd imagine they'll be at the same terms which means that Sky and BT should have no issue with putting a price freeze on their product, but we know that they won't do that, don't we? Uh, BT last night, uh, their official Twitter account tweeted out that you can't buy this, this is our sport, this is our history. Uh, to which I replied, well, you know, you can buy it as long as you pay your BT subscription. Uh, the tweet was deleted shortly after that, and... Um, I forwarded it on to Gary Lineker looking for his advice on whether it was tone deaf after his comments about Jurgen Klopp the other day. Uh, and he had no reply. He just aired me, which I thought was rude. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, what, what, shenanigans going on. Shenanigans, folks. Um, we'll finish up with the gossip. There's a little bit to get through. Uh, Liverpool still plan to sign RB Leipzig's 
French defender Ibrahim Kanate. That's neither here nor there. The the, the tax the the losses from the the accounts they knew were coming, so it will have no effect on this summer's transfer plans. Uh, Brazil international Neymar says talks with PSG about extending his contract are still ongoing, and everything is nearly sorted. It's been nearly sorted for about two months now, so you know you might want to get get the let out and get that thing signed. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is not interested in becoming the next Tottenham manager. Very easy to say that when you haven't been offered the job. Be a different kettle of fish if you were offered the job, I think, Mr. Rodgers. Um, Barcelona are keen to sign Juventus and Netherlands centre-back Matthias Delict. Barcelona are a billion euro in debt. They are keen to sign whoever they want. They can't sign anybody. The German Football Association is in talks with Hansi Flick over replacing Yucky Lowe. If you think that that is not already a done deal, you are fooling yourself. He didn't leave Bayern before knowing he was getting that job. Former Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger has suggested he's prepared to join Arsenal takeover bid alongside Daniel Ek and three of his former Gunner players. They can do what they want. The, the Glazers won't sell. And unfortunately, Ek isn't rich enough to force them out because they're, the Glazers are much richer than him. Um, or sorry, the Cronkies. Cronkies are much richer than him. Like for those that don't know, who Stan Kroenke is. He is incredibly wealthy. Not only does he own Arsenal, he owns the LA Rams. He's just built that enormous new SoFi Stadium in LA. He owns the Denver Nuggets of the NBA, the Colorado Avalanche of the NHL, the Colorado Rapids of Major League Soccer. Um, He is worth well over 10 billion uh, US dollars. And he is married to Anne Walton, who is one of the heirs to the Walmart um, fortune. So, you know, he's got money from that side too. There is no shifting that man if he doesn't want to be shifted out of it. So leave him be, he's going to stay there, and that's just all there is to it. Uh, for England midfielder Jesse Lingard will push to leave Manchester United this summer when his loan at West Ham ends. And rightly so, he should, he should move on. Inter Milan have joined the race for Sergio Aguero, who's set to leave Manchester City in the summer. Uh, Serie A would suit him. I still think he goes wherever Messi is. Lille and Canada striker Jonathan David is on the radar of Manchester United and Arsenal. Um, Yeah, among others, I would imagine. Leeds have held talks over the signing of Ruben Kazan and Georgia winger Kivicha. I'm not even going to try that. I'm not even going to try his surname. If he comes to the Premier League, he's Kavicha, and he will be forever. Uh, I have seen him on YouTube. He looks talented. I don't watch Russian football, uh, not anymore. I used to years ago, but it, you know, it is what it is. Too old to be doing that now. Um, he looks really talented. Bielsa will, you know, make a monster out of him if he gets hold of him. Uh, Tottenham are monitoring Celtics Ivorian midfielder Ishmael Asaro I think Tottenham need to aim a bit higher he's good and has potential to be really good but Tottenham need now players not then players Uh, Davy Proper has been targeted by his former club PSV Eindhoven he should leave he's been massively disrespected this season how he's sitting on the bench while Adam Lallana is flouncing about Premier League midfields I don't know Chelsea are interested in Villarreal's Spanish fullback 
Alfonso Pedraza and German international left-back Robin Golsons, who plays for Atalanta. Um, Chelsea spent £50 million on a left-back this last summer. Unless um, Alonso is leaving, I don't imagine they're looking for a left-back. And Tuchel seems to like Alonso, so I'm not sure he will leave. Barcelona's former vice president, Jordi Mestre, says the Argentine forward Lionel Messi will stay at Barca. Uh, he's probably hoping more than anything. Uh, I'd imagine Mr. Mestre is one of those that created the mess that Barca now find themselves in. Real Madrid have no intentions of selling Martin Odegaard, who's currently on loan at Arsenal. I wouldn't sell him either, um, but he may want to leave because he doesn't seem to have much of a future under Zidane. Arsenal are yet to hold talks with David Luiz over a new contract, nor should they hold talks with David Luiz. They should wave him goodbye and send him on out the door. Rangers will will watch Peterborough striker Johnson Clark Harris as they weigh up making a move for the 26-year-old. You'd imagine they've already watched him. Uh, You'd have to imagine they've already watched him. Um, That just sounds like someone trying to be clever. Cardiff, Middlesbrough, Stoke and Ipswich are interested in Sheffield Wednesday's Josh Windass. Yeah, I could see him at Cardiff, Borough or Stoke. Don't think Ipswich would be appealing to him. A bit of a sidewards move. Cardiff is probably the one. Him and if they could keep Harry Wilson, him and Wilson could be good. But they Cardiff may not be able to afford Wilson. So uh, Windass would be a good alternative. Um, Emil Heskey has called, this is brilliant, has called for Villa to sign Todd Cantwell and Emmy Buendia. Now, I assume this is what he would do if they sold Grealish, is bring in these two. Would make sense. Cantwell's very good. Buendia's had a great season. Um, I can't imagine Norwich would be too keen to let both go. I think one of their sort of big three, those two and... Aaron's might leave this summer, but there's no chance they'll sell two, I don't think. Um, I think Villa will keep Grealish, if I'm honest. I really do think they will keep Grealish. I think they'll look to add someone up front. I think I could see Tammy Abraham going there. And finally, Newcastle want to make Joe Willock's deal permanent. Yeah, I mean... Obvious captain, obvious award goes to whoever wrote that drivel. Um, we'll leave it at that. That's enough for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Guy Drinkle. Thank you to Fox Hunt for the music. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Bye bye. Podcast Network.